Comics Coast to Coast is brought to you by patrons like you. If you'd like to help the show out, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comics C to C and show us a little bit of your love. Your sweet, sweet love. I mean, like a dollar's worth of love. And we'll take that love and hug it and squeeze it and make it do podcast things that you'll enjoy. So come on, see what happens. This is Comics Coast to Coast. Everybody, this is Brian Dunaway, and you're listening to Comics Coast to Coast, episode 328, the Gary Lacoste interview. Before we talk to Gary, let's talk to Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Lawn on uh, whatever. StarcrossedOnline.com. And Forge Publishing. It's only been 200 episodes, Brian. Come on. I still, I still, you, I swear, man. Like about 50 episodes ago, you said, "No, no, do do Forge Publishing," because you took a break. Yeah, from Yeah, no, that's not. It is absolutely my fault. And the other thing, the other thing that's that's not great is that StarcrossedOnline.com is probably a longer URL than it probably should have been. Oh, that's sad. The other, the other, the other thing is that I, I was attempting to say probably as many times as possible in that last sentence. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Don't judge me. Blame medication. It's all good. It's all good. So I, I hope you feel a little better. You said you was feeling under weather just a little bit, but you're going to power through for us, and we do appreciate that, man. Through the thick fog. Through the thick fog of mucus and whatnot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, right. No, uh, no Matthew to charm tonight. He is uh, doing something unheard of. He is working. He doesn't uh, work. What are you talking about? <laughs> he did. He said he, he let us know. He's like, I, I got to work tonight. I'm like, what? You don't have a job. <laughs> but yeah, Matthew's working tonight. So we, we, we're going to miss that guy. It's great. So let's get right on to the show. Uh, Gary Lacoste is with us here tonight. Gary, how are you? Good. How you guys doing tonight? Excellent. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself uh, and your illustration work? Sure. Well, uh, my name is Gary Lacoste, and I want to thank you guys for inviting me in tonight. Um, Absolutely. I'm a freelance illustrator. Um, I've been illustrating for approximately 20-some-odd years, give or take, and it's mostly been in the uh, children's market, so... I started way back when uh, working for in the toy and game industry, and then uh, recently I've gotten more into activity books and kids' magazines, highlights, and uh, Jack and Jill, and some some other magazines. So, um, and pretty much probably like you guys, I started off growing up. I was, uh, you know, the the kid in school that used to draw all the time, and uh, when I went to uh, college. When I got out, there was a, a local illustrator, and his name was uh, Rock Goodrow, and I would go and show my portfolio to him at the, you know, over the summertime and stuff, and he kind of gave me some pointers on what to do and what to, uh, how to kind of tweak my work and stuff like that. And I went back uh, one year, and he says, hey, why don't you come? And this was probably 95 or so, so he was, uh, when he was working, actually, he's, he came up as a, uh, he used to airbrush vans and things like that. Oh. So in 95, yeah, oh yeah, he was back, you know, he was a big Frank uh, Frazetta fan and stuff. So, I mean, he was, you know, an, an amazing artist uh, across the board from realistic to cartoon to pretty much anything. Um, and pretty much he, uh, he had learned the computer and... Right. 
back in 95, of course, all that stuff was just coming out. And uh, he invited me in to, uh, to come in and learn the computer. And uh, I kind of interned with him for a little bit. His wife was also um, repping a few, uh, few illustrators at the time. And they asked if I wanted to kind of come in and, and start to be repped by her. And probably within probably three months or so of being an intern, he said, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you start working for me a little bit? And it kind of started from there. So, Oh, wow. So that's, that's great. Oh, so we don't hear as many uh, mentoring uh, artists as we used to. And I, I really miss that aspect because uh, that used to be the way to get in anywhere. I mean, you would go and work in somebody's studio, or in this case, uh, like you did, and uh, you would learn the ropes there because uh, that's that's just how you did it, right? Well, exactly. And, and Rocky was actually a, a a great influence. I mean, I come from a small town in in central Massachusetts, so we had uh, Rocky and his his brother. They both did. They were both illustrators, and we had a, a guy in town that used to paint signs and. Mm-hmm. Um, and letter vans and stuff like that. So if you were like a an artistic kid in town, you pretty much would gravitate towards one of the other guys, and they would kind of show you the ropes and stuff like that. So um, Rocky's always been good. When I was in grade school, because I was one of those kids that enjoyed art and stuff, he um, he used to have classes at night, and you'd go in and pretty much you started to learn how to use the airbrush a little bit and things like that. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever, ever used the airbrush, but for me, it wasn't it wasn't my medium of choice. You had to cut a lot of frisket mm-hmm. and, and a lot of things like that. So it was really labor intensive. But um, the the cool thing was when I did finally go to work with Rock, we are probably about two towns over from Milton Bradley and Hasbro. And that was his client back in the 90s. So oh, wow. any Disney work that that came in. Um, he would do all their game boards and he was he was doing all the Winnie the Pooh stuff. And this was just before um, style guides came out, you right. know, it, everything. So when I went there, the, one of the first things I did was I had to um, learn how to ink with a brush and try to ink all these different Disney characters, you know, and you got approved as a Disney artist. And then you would start to get work on the different you know licenses like that. So, right. um, you know, and. I know you guys are one of your uh, favorite artists is uh, Rob Momart's. Um, oh, that guy's you know, great. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy's yeah, great. Rob's a friend, yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy. When, when I see, you know, he's put up some some videos online and stuff, and you see the way he, he uh, inks with a, a brush, it's just, it's crazy. You he's know, so I mean, yeah, it, it's amazing. So I started, um, you know, I would work on, you know, working on, on that skill and really – Right after, I never got approved per se as a Disney artist because we started getting style guides after that. So yeah, right. after that, you would get these discs and it was filled up with, um, you know, all these different poses of, you know, black and white line art. We'd take it and um, put it together to to make up the different um, packages and games and stuff we had to do. So That's fun. Um, that's, still, yeah. that's still fun. It's not as, as creative, but it still sounds like, you know, fun being a part well, of that. Exactly. And, and I think the thing with... Um, with Rocky being that he was very good at, at everything. So, so what the deal was is working like that. And in that industry, every summer you worked on whatever movie was going to come out the, the, you know, the following summer. So, you know, one year we worked on, um, if it was, 
Harry Potter. I remember getting all these all this different work when Harry Potter came in. We and uh, Hasbro ended up. I don't think they got the license right at the beginning, but yeah, I think it ended up going with Mattel at the at that time. But I remember working on all the the Star Wars when the prequels came out. Mm. We worked on a bunch of puzzles and we had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements. I remember going to these vaults at Milton Bradley. We had to get all this, you know, we brought in our SideQuest discs and, and all this stuff to uh, to grab all this artwork. And we're piecing together uh, scenes for puzzles and things like that. So Right. Oh, that just sounds, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. That, that's like beyond, I guess that's just beyond the research that I would usually go into something. So that's, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Before I I do want to talk to you about puzzle books and like that aspect of your work, but before but before we move on, I I want to mention something about the mentorship and ask if you think it's a shift in the times with so many people, especially young people, spending so much time online and with social media. Not that you can't have an online mentor, but do you think that there's a lot of silos happening? Like people are just in their own little box. Um, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, that's kind of funny. I think you are in, a, in your box a, a little bit because of course, if, um, I think you are, and I think that that's, that's a problem because I think you, you, you have to be out there. I find that, um, I guess that to kind of answer this question a little roundabout way to, you know, when you're doing promotions and stuff like that, while it's great to, to send things out and, and, um, you know, you can put anything you want online, do things like that. You still have to get out there. You know what I mean? So you, mm-hmm. you still want to try to go to, you know, I, I belong to the uh, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. They have different hmm. um, workshops and things like that. So you, you hmm. want to get out and try to meet these people and, and try to network like that. So I, I think it's great to be online. You can do a lot of tutorials. You can meet with a lot of people, but you still need to try to get out there and, and try to get to some events throughout the course of the year. I think, you know, comic cons are a good way to get yourself out there. And, you know, I don't personally do them, but I think it's a great way to meet uh, different people, especially if you go to some of the bigger ones and things like that. So um, does that answer your, your Yeah, question? no, absolutely. And I, and I think that there's a lot of pressure right now for, for people, especially younger artists to table at conventions and and um get into the whole business side of stuff and i think that there's this quick jump into i'm running my own business from my home studio and then you're just dealing with the internet and then your own silence and uh i've noticed it with some of the the frustrations that i see in some of the younger artists that i talk to and um i can't take credit for this advice uh, uh it was um on either Comic Lab or Surviving Creativity, both excellent podcasts, but it was Brad Geiger. And he was saying that he's chopping out most of his conventions, if not all of his conventions this year, because it wasn't as a business, it wasn't financially viable. And he, and he was, he was handing out the advice of like, yes, should you go to a convention if it's in your wheelhouse and up your alley and all that kind of stuff, but don't table, buy a ticket and go. Right, right. You know, like if you want to network and meet people and have a business card or, and stuff like that, then just go and have fun and, and shake hands and, and talk to people. Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend, you know, three to six hundred dollars on a table for the weekend, which you are more than likely not going to get back. Right. You know, as if you're if you're like brand new to the scene. So, I just, you know, it's it's a 
I'm seeing kind of like this this mesh of of advice, you know, of getting out there and meeting people and stuff like that, kind of from a gen not to kind of pigeon us all into a generation, but you know, all of us here, Brad, all kind of in that same kind of 35 to 50 range. So I find that the younger people in their you know early 20s are not necessarily doing that and it's mm-hmm. i i keep on hearing this advice echoed with people when we interview people that are in this kind of range so i just i found it interesting i just thought i'd bring it up hmm. it, is, right. it is interesting now you know i about the cons and stuff i i read somewhere that that a lot of guys don't really end up making any any money on them is that something that you've seen that there's been a big you know i saw a big discussion where you know how much how profitable actually is it and well <laughs> There, there's the, you can, you, I mean, you can make some, I, I do, I don't travel for conventions because I'm not a well enough known artist. I get in a car and drive across town, sure. right? Like that's, yeah. so that's my travel expense. There's no hotel. So there's, it's a low cost. I'm looking at basically just the table and my time right. uh, and and whatever, you know, prep time goes in a couple of weeks ahead of time. So it's pretty easy for me to recoup, you know, a 200, $300 table over the course of a three or four day con, especially if it's big. Right. Um, but there are there have been times when I've I've spent the $175 on a table and barely made it back. And you kind of have to step back and think like, mm, like, is that really worth it? And I think the decision has to be hard, but it is a business one. Like unless it is just like the most fun you have ever had and it's worth breaking even for. Right. Then. Right. Fine. Even if you just make pizza money, like if you, if you're meeting people, you know, like I, it's, well, and, and it's that's okay a great that way. thing too, to just, just yeah. to get out, especially, I mean, we do live, you know, as an illustrator and stuff. I mean, we are, you know, live a pretty solitary life yeah. when it comes yeah. to work wise and stuff. So anywhere you can get out and stuff is, is great to do and, you mm-hmm. know, see people in the industry and stuff like that. So I, I do think, I mean, the internet in, in general, I mean, I think, nowadays you you don't see a lot of groups anymore i used to always travel into boston the um, graphic artist guild used to have a chapter and i would go once a month and we would just you know you would sit and listen to someone talk about what they what they're up to what's going on and it was just nice to to hear everybody else's problems because when you are home you know again it's one thing to to read about it online and, and all that stuff is great but it's you know it's back and forth it's facetime you know it, you really it, you got to have that. So, um, it, it definitely, it, the quality is much greater when you're FaceTime. And I think maybe that's one of the problems we're getting this quick fix satisfaction, uh, by having all of this, these groups. Cause when I was growing up, here we go again. Oh, man, Brian, when I was growing up, you didn't have any but- birthday, by the way, right? Oh, you oh thank you. I did. I did just have a birthday. Thank you very much. But yeah, uh, you know, before the internet, if you were an artist, uh, it was it was especially if you was from a small town, it was rare to run into another artist, and therefore yes. you felt very isolated. And the internet changed all that. Matter of fact, the first thing I did when I got on AOL back in I think ninety seven or something, nineteen ninety seven, uh, the very first thing I did was I hit uh, these these bulletin boards in in RSC chats and stuff where uh, where there were artists. Because I craved it so much and just I couldn't get enough. I was just staying up all night just talking to other artists. And now it's just, you know, it's just so commonplace. I do think we've kind of stepped back from going and meeting people and uh, seeing face to face. And 
but there's a, there's a definite quality over quantity uh, in those right. situations. And uh, to, just to jump mm. back to the to the booth thing, uh, yes. d- can you make money on booths? Yes, but you're not going to make money on a booth if you now this is just general general terms. The artist I've talked to uh, is some of the bigger places like HeroCon, DragonCon. Uh, and a couple other cons around here in the South. Uh, the successful artists I have seen are the ones who are working even after hours. So they'll go in and they'll do their normal thing during the day and they'll talk to people and they'll take a yeah. few commissions then and they'll do work while they're there. But then since most of them are multi-day sessions, they'll they'll actually line up more work over the night. So they'll go home after they leave or back to their their you know their hotel and keep on working. So you can wow. make you can make money, but that's a grind. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, but that's <laughs> if if moly. it's according to how you see it. If you see it like Joel says, if you see it as an opportunity, you know, to just get some pizza money, get out there and experience some things, recoup your money is probably the best uh, goal you can have. Just recoup your cost and have an experience, and and do it on the dime of your your skills. That's a good way to go. But if you actually want to make money, you got to put in the hours. And it's, it's a lot of hours. And you talked about earlier, you had talked about uh, airbrushing. And I actually live with yeah. an, an airbrusher uh, at the beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, we, yes. we live together. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, he made so much money on season when it was when it was time to be there. Uh, he made just crazy amounts of money. But, once again, he was going in at 5 o'clock in the morning you know, and he wasn't through it until 10 o'clock at night. So, um, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. What, what was he doing? Uh, Surfboards? No, no, no. He was doing t-shirts. t-shirts. This was the, this was the eighties, oh, yeah. man. T-shirts and <laughs> t-shirts and, uh, and license plate tags. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Those... When, when I used to go to the beach, I mean, that, that's what we would do. I would go down and pretty much sit there and watch yeah. the guys that would airbrush. And I mean, they would put up a shirt, they'd read what they had to do. They'd mm-hmm. bang it out, grab that's the it. next one, put Just... it up. And, and Wow. Popping it out, man. And I was with you, Gary. I tried airbrushing, and uh, I had fun with it. Uh, it was it was uh, interesting, but there was a lot of, if you really wanted to make something that just really stood out, you either had to have a lot of hours in, or you'd have to do a lot of stenciling and cutting and preparation, and, you know, and uh, that wasn't me. Well, and you know what? And that's great, Brian, to kind of, to kind of go back to kind of how I made my way through at, at the beginning of my career. So... Hmm. With Rocky, of course, he used frisket cut. He would cut out the frisket for his, you know, his stencils and stuff like that. So when I came in, the first thing I learned on the computer was I would draw all his paths for him because he was really using paths in Photoshop, and he would select them, and then, you know, he would airbrush certain pieces. So I kind of figured out what he needed for uh, for paths. So I would kind of do all his his right. busy work behind the scenes and stuff. So um, so it was a great way to learn how to use a uh, a tablet where you know you have to watch the screen and you know what I mean and mm-hmm. um, and now pretty much working in Illustrator, that's what I use. I, I still use yeah. a tablet. I'm not on a Cintiq or anything like that. So it's all it's all just you know dropping points and and doing things like that. So right, are you using the uh, you're not using a Cintiq you said, but you're using an Intuos or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yep, just yeah. a small one. Small one. Um, yeah, just a little one. Yeah, just as yeah. I mean, I don't know, probably. Probably the middle set, not the real tiny one, but right, right. you know, next like size up and stuff. Six by nine, be a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I, I use. Do those. you do you draw and sketch with it, or do you mostly do vector work? 
uh, pretty much all vector work. I'll, uh, I still draw and sketch on, on paper, copy paper pretty much. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I right. do. I, I do all that there and then I, um, I scan it in and then I go into illustrator and, and pretty much do all the line art and everything, um, in illustrator. So interesting. Do you have a, go ahead. I was just going to say that like a lot of the times what I, what I, we've, we've mentioned on the show is, you know, when people want to draw and sketch and do broad movements, they tend to want a larger tablet, but having done a vector work in animation before, I much preferred a smaller tablet because you didn't need it to do vector stuff. Like if you're sketching on paper, then having a smaller size tablet makes a lot of sense. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the one thing I could never sketch, um, to get it to look fluid enough doing it on the on the tablet you know what i mean when i first started mm-hmm. i used um before i went to the computer all of my stuff was uh pastel with colored pencil mm. over yes. it you know and uh oh wow so so when i went to the which which was great so i think that was when i was showing that portfolio to to rocky he he saw that really that smooth pastel and he's like, Oh, it's, you know, it looked almost like airbrush. Cause that's pretty much what I had come to. And of right. course what he was doing for Disney was he would do airbrush and then he would do the outlines in, in gouache afterwards. Mm. And, you know, so kind of the same, same deal. But, um, so for me, it's, it was, it was better to be able to, you know, to draw, um, to draw on the, pretty much uh, on the board still just with pencil and, and stuff like that and and i'm really messy when when i do my sketches it's not you know i i, I don't do a blue line or whatever it's just like a 4-h pencil i just keep erasing and erasing going back and forth and from that comes a a, a, a sketch that's got some life to it you know so mm-hmm. um you know that that works out better for me as opposed to when i first started i was so i wasn't necessarily sure enough of my drawing style so i would do a rough sketch and then i put a piece of paper over it, put it on the drawing table, uh, the light table, and kind of trace it. And by the time I get done with it, it had lost any type of spontaneity that it had right, from right. that original sketch, you know. So um, what I like to do now is try to really, if I'm not doing a scene, if it's just a character, you know, you, you like to get it in that one sketch instead of putting a paper, you know what I mean? You hate mm-hmm. to kind of try to trace because then it just seems to take all the all the life out of it. Right. And if you're interested in a scene, uh a little bit of Gary's process. You can actually go to Gary's website. It's Gary Lacoste, and there's an E at the end of that, dot com, uh, and go to the blog section. And this is one of the things that I was looking at. You uh, kind of broke down this uh, the epic showdown that yes. you did for a regular feature uh, on Jack and Jill magazine. And you yep. broke down your Elvis Presley and uh, Michael Jackson uh, dancing. And I really, I really enjoyed seeing seeing the process in that is it's a lot of fun yeah uh, and, and that and that was that was a cool feature i did that probably for a couple of years and we did a whole bunch of different um different uh historical figures pop pop figures like that and stuff mm-hmm. and um and again you you, you can kind of see the, the roughness of it with with those i i think i did do another sketch it wasn't just that initial sketch but you know i like to draw really fast kind of figure out where everything goes and then you know to refine it and stuff like that so right in illustrator do you have a, a favorite pen or tool that you use or brush um it's really just it's it's the pen tool i, I really don't use mm. any any brushes so what i'll do is is i will take my pencil sketch i you know scan it in and i'll trace it 
and I do different line thicknesses. Sometimes I'll outline the stroke so I can taper an end of it or whatever, like you would do, you know, if you were using a brush. And uh, then I fill that, and then I go back in, and all the highlights and everything are pretty much just um, paths that I draw. Right. So right. it's not. It's you know, it. There's really no um, drawing where I'm filling it in or or anything like that. When I when I first started. I actually used Painter for a little while, which mm-hmm. was way, way back. And, and that was nice because it did have the different brushes. And, you know, of course, nowadays in, in Photoshop with, uh, you know, Kyle Webster's got all those those great brushes and stuff like right. that that you can get rid of that traditional look. But um, uh, I found that as I, you know, and that was the thing when I was working with, with Rocky, he did a lot of the work in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And I slowly did more and more in Illustrator. And my style kind of, we kind of ended up, I don't want to say going in different directions, but, um, you know, every year doing a different, different license coming out and stuff like that, I really hadn't developed a style and that's something that I wanted. And as I, so I started working in a sketchbook on my own time and kind of developed a, a, a bit of a style of my own because I wanted to be, you know, as an illustrator, I don't know if, if it's, as big of a deal today as it was back when, when I was coming up, but you know, either you did a lot of different styles or you did, you were known for one style. And, um, and Rocky was definitely the guy where he could do any style. And I was really comfortable with kind of my cartoony style that I was trying to develop. So, um, that's what I did. And and it went more and more flat, more and more vector based. Mm -hmm. Um, growing up, I was, uh, you know, for influences, I guess, or whatever you would say. You know, I, I loved all Hanna-Barbera cartoons, um, the Looney Tunes, things like that. I was never into the the Disney stuff, so it was kind of weird to, to start working with rock and to, to work on the more, you know, because Disney was, you know, more of a, a 3D style as opposed to, you know, uh, Hanna-Barbera was very flat. And, right. and that's kind of where my drawing style went in that direction more. So, um it's just kind of, it, it just lent itself better to Illustrator, I guess. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. That's that's great. I remember, I remember. I thought I found such a great uh, treasure one time. I think I've shared the story on the show before, but uh, I remember I got a Winnie the Pooh uh, CD-ROM, and for some reason, this particular CD-ROM. It was it was bought from uh you know from the Disney store or someplace like that. So it was an official DVD. However, mm-hmm. whoever created the DVD, they included all their resource files. So it mm-hmm. had it had all so it had like it, it was a lot of coloring book stuff, you know, it was like it had like some printable color pages you could do, but they had they had yep. left all the original artwork in there, so I was able to open all those files up in Illustrator and just break down uh, what they had done because you know levels were there e- layers were there everything was there and i was able to see what the artist had done and that was just like oh, it was fantastic. it was like i was like i can't believe these <laughs> fools have left this on here and uh, I, I, found this, I found this secret i found this everything. secret i was so excited <laughs> and who could i tell no one cared look at this you won't believe what i found no one cared but you guys care right you care 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I I might have had the same CD-ROM, like a Winnie the Pooh CD-ROM, kind of like just my brain kind of went tick, and I was like, wait a minute, I remember that. How many of those could there have been? Like, you know, <laughs> right? I didn't have the one with all the reference material on it, but I I I do recall some CD-ROMs and storybook stuff. Just, yeah. And Winnie the Pooh lended itself so well to that kind of thing. Like the, mm-hmm. what we see now is like animatic storytelling on YouTube with not necessarily animation, but like fading from key drawing to key drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff in CD-ROMs was really cool. I remember we had some educational stuff in, at school and I would, I mean, sure. I learned about probably plant biology or something like that, but there was some really cool drawings and animations happening that I was also just as interested. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Photosynthesis. I get it. How did they make this drawing? (laughs) (laughs) This is what I need to know. know? Exactly. Well, you take what you want from that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bunch of art nerds. All right, Gary, uh, I want to ask you, okay, so so you've you've kind of done a lot a lot more of the recent work has mostly been uh for magazines and uh yeah. and children's books and that kind of stuff. So growing up, I was a huge fan of magazines by the way. That was like I loved comic books, I loved magazines. They were mostly magazines were uh you know large bigger than life illustrations and photos and it was just so everything was so visually appealing about magazines. And, uh, you know, but now the Internet's around, I don't get out as much as I used to. So how is the magazine market from your perspective? How, how do you see the magazine market right now? Is it flourishing? Is it kind of languishing? Is it changed much? Well, I, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of stabilized. I think it took a, a real big hit, you know, uh, right. probably a, a few years back. And of course, the magazine sections aren't as, you know, as big. I remember as a kid, we go down and you'd, you'd go into the newsstand. You just had this, just, you know, all these magazines. There's not as many out there anymore, mm-hmm. but the ones that are out there, um, you know, I work, the magazines I work with, of course, Jack and Jill was from, you know, the Saturday evening post puts that out. That's their kid magazine. Right. And, um, a lot of it is subscription based. And I was just actually talking with the art director at highlights the other day. And, you know, they really don't, they don't really, um, the, the newsstand is, is not their, their bread and butter, obviously, you know, I mean, you, you right. see them in all the dentist offices and things right. like that. So, I mean, you know, it's that it's subscription based and, you know, so, but, but I do feel there's, there is a place for them. And I, I feel like they're just, you know, they, they have their spot and they are just as popular because I feel there's a backlash even with the eBooks. It's kind of the same deal, you know, mm-hmm. Bookstores, again, you know, Borders is gone. All, all that stuff is gone. But there's still, there's always, they're, they're always going to be there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, uh, again, I, I feel like there is, there is a place for it. Some of them you, you've lost over the years. I know when I was, you know, Nickelodeon used to be a big magazine. Oh, I, I love reading that, that and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Disney had a couple magazines out and stuff they used to have. Uh, do you guys but, remember Owl Magazine, or was that just a Canadian thing? I think it's just a Canadian. Just a Canadian thing. It was a science magazine. It oh. was a kid's science magazine called it's still Owl. Out there though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I say was. I mean, for when, like, as in sure. when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and there was an Owl TV show as well. Really? It was called Owl TV. Yeah. No, and it had it had a lot of. I mean, it had a lot of photographs and things like that, but it also had a lot of illustrations and you know educational puzzles and. I, I send mailers to them. I like to to work for them possibly at some point. So, nice. <laughs> I know there's there's a guy up in uh, 
Chris Jones, he's an illustrator. He does a lot of work for magazines, and he's from uh, from from Canada. So it's like, you know, I feel like I should be jumping over the board right. as well. You know, <laughs> go back before, so. Better healthcare. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm loving. I'm actually on Al Kids. Dot com and they do seem to have uh, many different magazines. This new new market. There's another market for you right there. Yeah, that's it. I've yeah. got fond memories from Al Magazine as a kid. Good, good. Yeah, I I was I was shocked at how many kids centric magazines uh, there are out there. Until I started going through and researching Gary's work, I didn't realize that Time Magazine had a kids magazine. Sure. I didn't know that. It was like, and there's a whole bunch of them I didn't know of. Now, I was very familiar with highlights because growing up, that was one of my favorites was highlights. And look, I did a lot of magazine reading at the dentist office and at the doctor's <laughs> office, and I always hit straight for the, you know, the highlights. But I remember it. Uh, I I remember about the highlights. The thing I enjoyed the most was the comics, and I enjoyed looking at the different kind of puzzles, you know, and little. Can you can you make it through this maze? Can you tell the difference between these two things? So, Gary, do you get to create any of those puzzle kind of illustrations in addition to just the regular yeah. illustrations? Interesting. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I actually have a, a puzzle maze I, I'm working on right now, and I, you know, of course, the biggest thing, and I've only worked with highlights probably for the past three years or so, so they've just come come into my um, my client base recently, and they've been wonderful to work for. I do a lot of their covers now, but the one thing that I started doing are the hidden pictures. And that's, oh. you know, anytime I put anything up online, I get so many hits for the hidden pictures. People yeah. are, you know, even on Instagram, they're, they're typing in all the different items and stuff. And, and there is a learning curve for that when, because it is such an institution for highlights. I mean, they have magazines that are just hidden pictures. They have a whole bunch of them. Um, and, along with the mag, you know, just the, the monthly magazine. And when, when I first started working for them, I mean, there, there's a whole set of guidelines on how you're supposed to hide the items and things like that. And oh, uh, wow. it was a little bit of a, of a intimidating as I started doing it. And a lot of back and forth the first couple, usually I, I send out sketches right. and I make it, you know, one or two changes. This one had like all these red marks all over them. Oh my know, gosh. This is too big. This is, got to be flipped around this horseshoe doesn't you know can't be there and so it was just kind of crazy oh, it's like, you, I, I have a hard enough time drawing the picture much less trying to you know hide these items in it but right. but i've gotten better at it and uh and and i usually get you know every so often i get one of those to do, which don't is don't, don't reveal too much because i don't want to know that there's like some kind of technique for finding stuff in hidden pictures because i don't <laughs> want to because that would that would ruin my life because that's like a, yeah. a pleasure that i take is is finding stuff at hidden pictures but okay so do you ever do you ever get stuck on trying to hide something like it's just like oh that's just way too obvious because i mean after you look at something if i was drawing a hidden object thing you'd be like oh my gosh how could they not see that it's right there so, so i think the first problem you know when i did the first one the, the the issue was is i was thinking about what items to hide first as right. opposed to the first thing you do is not even worry about it and, and draw the scene you know mm -hmm. and then I'll draw it, and then I sit there and I look at it for probably about an afternoon. And it's like, oh, okay, I could put this here, and oh, okay, this can go here. And you get your standard things. You get the pencil, you get the ruler, and then you see these what they want you know. And then you start to try to work with the negative space and hide things in there. And um, you know, there's a an illustrator. His name's Chuck Dillon, and he does these incredible scenes that you know. My style is very 
very stylized and really not a lot of contour lines and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit harder for me to hide things, but these some of these guys are just amazing <laughs> with what they can can hide in these pictures. So, um, but it's a lot of fun. And slowly I tick it off, and then I get about twenty four items hidden in there. It's like okay, that's good, and send it out. So, do you have any that you're just super proud of? You're like, oh, they're never going to find that pencil. There's no way, no one's ever going to find it. Well, I was proud. I went to my daughter's. My I have a daughter, and she's uh, she's twelve years old, and uh, I went to lunch there for some parent, uh, parent day they had. Right. And one of uh, her friends came up to me and says, you know, Mr. Lacoste, she says, I was looking at that hidden picture you did of the arcade and, and I could never find the, the pencil. I could never ever <laughs> find it. So I'm like, well, that's good. At least if there's one that you can't find, then I feel like I've done my job. You know? Right. So. Frustrating kids coast to coast. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's what exactly. I, it's what I do best. <laughs> oh, that is great. See, I, that's something that I've always thought I would enjoy doing, but I don't know. It sounds like it's it's a lot of work. And you know me, I'm not into doing work. I'm into doing podcasts, no. right, Joel? <laughs> They're not work at all. <laughs> uh, do you do you enjoy the challenge, Gary? Because I used to work in kids' toys, and yeah. I had a lot of limitations because it was craft toys, it was stickers, they were a certain size and shape, and so you kind of it was like drawing with a preschool crayon like the the real fat ones that were the size of your finger like and then trying to yeah. do like detailed scenes or something like that um and after a while even though it was very limiting i did kind of find the satisfaction of like okay my art has to not necessarily suffer but has to change and become more simple but i really enjoyed the jigsaw puzzle aspect of the project uh, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is, especially with these hidden pictures. I, I've had to kind of change my style and and rework things a little bit. But I think if you do have those certain limitations, it, it does make you kind of think a little bit outside the box. And, and doing this for so long, that is a nice way to uh, kind of change and, and keep your attention a little bit more when it comes to yeah. things like that. Something that I find really interesting about your uh, illustration style and these hidden searches is because your style is is so flat, uh, and I don't mean I mean that in like a in a good way. And you're in, sure. in the very distinctive style, it becomes challenging to find things. Like I'm looking at one on your blog right now, and you're supposed to be able to find four stuffed animals. Well, <laughs> the difference between an animal, a stuffed animal, and a person in your style is negligible. Because, you know, people are all in profile, uh, you know, like, is that a cat or is it a stuffed tiger? You know, like, so stuff, I just, but it's cool because it, it adds to the the difficulty the level. Right. Yeah, it's very cool. Are, are, hey, Joel, are you fishing for the, the clue to the answer for that? Is that what you're doing right no, now? No, 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 I no, found just... all the stuffed animals. No, I, I, didn't, I, I but didn't it was it was not as easy, it was not as easy as, it was not, it was not as easy as I thought. I was like, <laughs> I like getting pictures. I'm going to, where is that? I can't, hmm, just oh wait a minute i should probably pay attention to the podcast as opposed to looking at hidden right. pictures and stuff so you do run into some of your uh to some of your viewers like you said at, at school how often do you see your own work when you uh visit the doctor or dentist office is it fairly frequent it is it, now it is now that i've worked it for them for a few years there's always something on on the table that that i've done which is cool and you know going of course on the newsstand, being that I, I've been doing covers lately, it, it's great mm. to go in and see your, you know, your cover there. And I always take and try to put it in the, 
you know, the front of the rack and stuff, so we can get some <laughs> some extra, <laughs> some extra visibility and right. stuff. But mommy, <laughs> mommy, this guy's trying to make me do puzzles in this magazine. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute, young, young, young man. I feel like that was a scene from a from a movie where an author or somebody kind of walked into a bookstore and some like some competing author, which is another right. character in the film, had their book in front of theirs and they nice. did a switch, like they, yeah. they moved in. I feel like it was like a Will Ferrell movie or or something. I don't know. I'd love to see that. That's that's the that's the show that I want to see. The uh, the overly aggressive artist type. That's definitely what I want to see. So okay. So all right, uh, Gary, do you have any tips or words? You've given us some words and tips or warnings for aspiring illustrators who would like to get into the magazine and book illustration field. Anything that you can kind of give a leg up to these guys? Um, well, again, you know, I, I think nowadays. You can, I think one of the biggest things I see with um, artists out there is is they have their, they're posting things online and stuff like that, but a lot of them don't have a real professional website. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like a place you can go to that has your information and stuff. And being that we're, you know, artists, we're creative and things like that, a lot of times that's what's lacking is the business side of it. So, you know, I mean, my job is, is to you know, do what the client wants, especially being a, you know, a commercial artist. Right. So I think you really have to, number one, you, you got to put yourself out there online, not just on Instagram and things like that, but you got to have the website, you got to have, um, you know, information about what you've done. It's all going to be in a professional manner. And you also kind of need to follow up, not just online, you should be sending postcards out to these places and, you know, find the books that you want to be in or, or the market you want to be in, look and see what artists are there, see what they're doing and, you know, present yourself in a professional manner at, at all times. If people send you uh, emails, you know, respond to them, you know, promptly and, and, you know, make sure you're hitting your deadlines. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is, um, is, is the work ethic. You know, it's one thing mm-hmm. to do the work. It's another thing to do the work and then, you know, be able to do it correctly into what they want. You know, when I was doing the game boards, I think that's, you know, starting off with my career, that was a, a great thing to start with because, you know, when we went to those meetings, I was the one taking the notes. It wasn't just the artwork. You had to figure, you had to make sure it worked as a game first. You had all the gameplay and then you could put in, okay, well, we can now we can make the path look like this. We can put these different things there. So you, you do got to realize it's, you know, your client's needs first. And, you know, that's that's first and foremost in, in what what I do. So that makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it makes I sense. Can't as echo, well. I can't echo replying promptly more. <laughs> right. Uh, it like it is. It's I, I got I got it from a I think it was a social media conference. It was a tip. Uh, that I got and it was basically not just prompt like immediate like if you happen to be working at your desk and even though you're not supposed to take an email break you know if a ding comes in and you're and your email's open and you check it and it's a potential client if you can reply to them you have to master the short email like you have to master like the two sentence reply Right. But if it's like, yeah, that sounds like an interesting project. Let's set up a Skype chat. Uh, I'm available and you, you shoot some times. If you reply like immediately, chances are they're still sitting at their desk. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I have seen, 
and don't I can't really say that I've seen an increase in contracts, but I've seen an increase in conversation right. since okay. I employed that like four or five years ago. I definitely find that you get more of an an engage from people. And uh, again, like it it doesn't necessarily work out for other reasons, like you know their budget or their timing well, or whatever. But at least you're getting a a reply started, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to just replying to them when you give to your email at five o'clock, they're already gone for the day because they're, you know, in England and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> if you can get back to them quick, I find it's a big, big deal. Hmm. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it's, it starts a conversation and it's a contact. So it's somebody you can follow up with, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. And you just yep. start try to want to build, build that up. And, and another thing I want to say is, you know, you got all your stuff online, which is great, but you should still be doing postcard mailings and, and things like that. And I try to do them. I don't do them as much as I used to, but it, it used to be quarterly. I really had a, a kind of a schedule set up where um, I would do a postcard mailing and then the next month I do a blog post postcard mailing. And that got me um, kind of going in the children's market because really uh, probably about 10 years ago, I did leave the toy and game and I, I, um, broke off and started working with my own style, which was, and really I took no clients from the toy and game industry. I just went and, and started with that. And it took a little while to get going, but you, you need to be consistent. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing for anybody aspiring is it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be that first postcard. It's going to be sending multiple postcards. So these clients see that, okay, this guy is, he's working, he's a professional. I can go to his website. I see new stuff. And it's not just a, you know Instagram account, and the artwork can be amazing, and you you can be on Instagram and, and other places, but it's it's that little bit more that you need to to come off as being you know a professional because they're gonna really you know they're gonna put a lot of trust and faith in you if they've got a project with a deadline and everything they want to know that you're not just gonna you know flake yeah. out halfway through the project. Right. I think Instagram and social media is a great way to advertise and is a great way to build yes. fans but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a the, a good Business way to build model. clients you know right right, right. And, and and i still actually i i still use the um the source books you have the directory of illustration the workbook and things like that those were big of course back in in you know when we first when i when i first started back in 95 you would take these ads out in these books and you know that's always the thing is you know should you be advertising you know they cost a lot of money and, you know, nowadays, of course, they have a website hooked up to that. But to be on there, it's clients are going to that. You know what I mean? It, it's great to get a lot of likes on Instagram and all that. But how do you turn that into um, paying clients? I don't I don't see it. If I was now, if I was doing more children's books where I had my own um, my own, own titles, I was trying to sell and things like that. Then, sure, you, you do want to be on Instagram and things. But um, yeah. I feel like, you know, for me, looking for the commission work that you still need to be on those other sites as, as well, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think the difference is there is that when you're publishing your own book, when you're doing that kind of stuff, you're you're the business. Like, you, you're you now the business hat, and, and exactly. that's why you have the social media account, you know? Because, yep. well, as Brian mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, I, I run Forge Publishing, and that's that's exactly what happens. Like, I, I ditch the artist hat for all intents and purposes when I'm working with Piper and, and Rob and right. I, I just, I turn into the business and I just try to promote their stuff and get people to go to their websites where they can then buy things and, you know, yep. go from yep. there. Hmm. Good. I like it. I have it. 
I haven't thought about having my own website in a while as far as being to the forefront of what I'm doing. But if you do go to Gary Lacoste's website, I mean, it's very professional. It does take it to that next level. And you're probably dealing with clients who are maybe used to doing older school things and are used to seeing somebody with a presence instead of, look at all these kids with their Instas and stuff. You know, maybe they're, yeah, maybe it shows a little bit more uh, dedication and maybe a little bit more maturity. Uh, well, and... and- Right. And, and again, I mean, I hope that didn't sound like I was, you know, no. saying, you know, but I, I think nowadays you really have to be a little bit everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. like, and like Joel was saying, you know, if I had written a, a children's book or something like that, you know, you do, that's where you want to get your fans coming in, in, in the social media for sure. I mean, you know, I post things to Facebook and I, it's more peers that are there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, yeah, but it, it's not, you know, every so often I, I do get a client from, from there, which is nice, you know, so it, it's to have a presence, I guess, in a little bit everywhere, you know, and, right. um, and, and try to make it manageable, you know, so. Right. Well, and I can tell you right now, like that's when I, I might discover a new artist on Instagram, which is more than likely where I, I do discover right. new artists. But yep. when I want to contact them to get them on this show, first thing I do is I go to their profile and see if they have a .com. Right. Right. And then, right. Right. You know, then you go there and you read a little bit more about them and you can see. Exactly. You know, you know yeah. and then I'm looking for their, you know, uh, their name and a clear email. Right. <laughs> you know, like Please. two clicks. Please <laughs> a clear email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but you know how I found, how I found Gary to begin with is I, if, if I remember correctly, I saw a magazine at either my dentist or my doctor's office and I was flipping through and I was really impressed with the artwork and I thought, oh my goodness, we need to get some illustrators on here to talk about some of this great work. And I was easily able to locate uh, your name, your web address, and was able to find you fairly simply. And then I then I suck Joel on you. I said, Joel, <laughs> go get Gary. Joel, <laughs> fetch, return. And that's what Joel does. He's great about that. He's he's super great with he's uh, the fetcher. He's the fetcher. He's great at communication, and he's great at being clear which is uh, something I'm not always good at. So, all right. Well, we are at the end of the show, Gary. Uh, I have many more questions, so this is always where I say, come back on with us again soon so that we can we can talk again and, and continue our discussions. We had some really good times. Where is the best place? Well, wait before I ask that. Uh, we usually ask this question. Uh, Matt usually asks it. Uh, do you have an artist or illustrator uh, that may not be well-known or could be well-known uh, that maybe is a friend of yours that you would like to recommend. It doesn't have to be a friend. No pressure. You don't have to name all of them. I know artists have tons of friends usually. Uh, but Well, I, well you know, I, I do have tons of tons of friends, but for, for people that I look to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like where I'm looking to take my work to the next level, there's a guy from, um, I'm going to go over overseas, I guess, to Ireland, this guy, his name is uh, Steve Simpson, and he's an illustrator, does a lot of different work, and um, he, he'd be a great guy to, to check out. I think, you know, he, his style is very, uh, very quirky. He does a lot of, a lot of different uh, package design, and he kind of across the board. So he would be, you know, stevesimpson.com. Oh, I love this work. Uh, yeah, I love his color schemes. Those are great. Isn't it cool? Yeah, very, very unique to him, and he's... Mm. Uh, you know, he's just got these cool projects. He just uh, he did something I think last summer where he drove around in a little 
a little mini mini Cooper and much drew drew on it throughout the course of the trip. He went all I've around Ireland it. and every night. Yeah, is that crazy or what? Yeah. So, oh yeah, wow! So and, you know, so just really, you know, um, somebody that you know you, you talk about. I think he he got on where he started. He jumped on Behance. I think just right. as they were starting to to come out, and I think that got him a lot of exposure and he's just you know he's just a, a amazing uh inspiration to me you know and that's where i would kind of like to branch out to to different markets and in, in that way you know with this with right. my cartoon style would be would be cool so and when you first said by the way i love mini coopers i always wanted one and i still want one but he has a classic <laughs> he's uh, got oh yeah he's got the old yeah the original yeah very cool so and he sure enough he drew all over that thing boy Oh. Yeah. oh yeah. Oh, With Sharpies it. no less. Yeah. Sharpies no less. Fade. yeah. <laughs> oh, that is some fantastic. Thanks for that. That that is great. I have something to do now. Thank you very much, yeah. Gary. Uh, where's the best place for people to visit you online? Well, I, I would say between um Facebook and or Instagram. I usually try to update, you know, once a week I put something up. Usually Facebook's always kind of what I've been working on, whatever's been published recently. And, um, you know, it'd be Gary Lacoste illustration is what you would look up for that. All right. And I'm putting those in the show notes too, by the way, check those out, Gary. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and to talk about all the illustrative things. We do appreciate you taking the time. Great. Thank you guys. Thanks for the invite. All right, Gary, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you later. We're going to take care of some comments coast to coast business now, but we'll, we'll be sending you a follow-up uh, email, let you know when this is going to be posted. And, uh, thank you so very much. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. All right. See you later, Gary. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Perfect, Joel. I really enjoy Gary. Yeah, that was great. He was good. He was he was fun, man. He's a he's he's I don't know, man. I love when we have an artist with a great personality and the ability to express themselves. It's uh you know, it's just a good feeling, right? <laughs> it's a good feeling. And so okay, so Joel, uh where can people visit you well i'm gonna do my best i think it was starcross yes right that's what i said no yeah no it's starcrossedonline.com for for new starcross comics i am planning on drawing one tomorrow uh and when i draw lately i've been streaming on twitch and that is just twitch.tv slash joel duggan uh and uh i've been doing both pencils and inks i think i might only do inks this weekend but keep an eye out there for for my next uh, drawing session and uh, if you like podcasts, then check out the Citadel Cafe at thecitadelcafe.com. Excellent. And uh, you may want to visit our good friend, Matthew Descharm. It usually He usually says go over to YouTube and look for, for Matt the Wad, and uh, you'll find those there. He's working on some stuff, so hopefully he can share it with us. In the near future, I hope. I don't know. What he, I suppose that's what he's working on. I don't. So I think. I think everybody should tweet Matt and say, "Take a break." Take a break, yo. Or maybe he's, you know, got a nighttime job as a barista. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't tell us <laughs> everything. Uh, I want to thank. Also, like to thank uh, our patrons. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comic C to C. Also like to thank uh, the chat room uh, over on twitch.tv forward slash Brian Dunaway. That's my that's my Twitch handle. Uh, we broadcast there live uh, usually every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
Uh, Todd Nagosa, thank you for being in the chat room. You're always a great supporter, even though we're broadcasting at the same time as our good friend, uh, Scott Johnson over at the Frog Pants Studio. For some reason, he's broadcasting tonight at the same time. Thanks for Stephanie for stopping by. Uh, we had a new follow during the show, too, but I can't locate that. Velvet Tip uh, dropped on by. And uh, thanks to you guys. We, we appreciate Oh, there's Phil Rude, too, Kate. Forget about Phil Rude. Uh, so let's see. Oh, Phil Rude said, Al Magazine sounds like the Canadian version of Ranger Rick. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. I do indeed. No, it was much better than that. Much more better than that. Uh, also, what other things we have to talk about? Oh, and coming up next week, right? No, wait. We have a scheduling thing. We're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention her website anyway. So yes. Maria uh, Scriven, uh, or Scri Scriven maybe? I think it's Scriven. I, uh, I think you had it right Is it Scriven? Time. I I we this one thing about dealing with people via email until you have them on the show you don't actually get to know how they pronounce their names right right <laughs> uh, but it's uh, mariascriven.com she was scheduled for next week uh, something's come up we've had to postpone that probably until June uh, so we actually don't know who's next so oh. just keep an eye out and uh, we'll have a new new guest as soon as I can nail someone's feet to the floor I mean invite them on That's right. the podcast come on to the come on to the podcast uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter as at comics C to C our show notes are available over at comicscoasttocoast.com as well as a huge archive of uh, podcast uh, if you would be so kind and you listen to this show on iTunes or your favorite uh, podcatcher Head over to one of those uh, places and give us a good review. Good reviews uh, mean that people see that and then they think, I want to listen too. What about that? I think that's a great idea. Oh, you can follow me at the Brian Dunaway. I do stuff all the time. If you're on Twitch uh, and you want to watch somebody do some stupid video gaming stuff, you can watch me or Joel. We do that as well as our uh, <laughs> as our comicing stuff, right? Joel, you've got you've got uh, Joel Duggan on Twitch, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I do art streams and I do Minecraft streams. Uh, and honestly, about an even split between the two. So it's a 50-50 chance what you're going to get. Excellent. So that's it. Did I cover everything this time, Joel? I think I, I think you did. I think yeah. I got it all. I think I got it all. All right, that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Gary, how, Gary, am I saying, yes. is it Gary Lacoste? Is that? It's Gary Lacoste, yep. Perfect. All right. The E All is right. quiet. Good. It's super quiet. Gee, <laughs> keep it down back there.
You're the caboose that holds this name together. That's right. right. All right. Uh, hey, Velvet Tips, finally. I haven't seen Velvet Tip in forever in the chat room. 